Brian O'Driscoll on Off The Ball. Very good evening to you. Welcome along. Very good afternoon to you if you're uh, streaming this live on our social channels. Very good evening to you if you listen to it on the radio. Brian O'Driscoll is indeed with us. Nathan is here too. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. I'm great. <laughs> I'm great. We've met already today. Okay. No, I'm, we haven't. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. The first thing we've done today. Uh, all right. So, yeah, we're lifting the lid on that a little bit. Um, uh, the week when a squad is named for the Six Nations, it's an interesting moment, I spe- suspect, for the players who make the cut. And then for those who don't, like Ross Byrne, I presume he gets a phone call in advance? Yeah, I think he does. Um, I would imagine. Um, in fact, I, I know on this, ca- this occasion he did get a call. Um, yeah, it's always a hard conversation um, when a coach is give, delivering you bad, bad news. Um, thankfully from a squad point of view I never, I never got one of them but I got my own um, bad news at, at, um, at, at well documented times so um, yeah it's, you just have to, you have to take it and listen to what the coach is saying and try and go away and progress on the points that they're, you know, that they're picking up that they've chosen someone else ahead of you over. It must be much easier to get that phone call after you've had a really bad game as opposed to when you played about as well as it's possible to play and in like the, a signature performance for your team when you've replaced Johnny Sexton, you're like, okay, we're going with Cardi this weekend. What, what, like, what does Ross Byrne think about and what does he do to... Yeah, I, I think most coaches will say this isn't all about, this isn't a, a one performance thing. I think they'll have taken everything into account since the November internationals. Um, fairness to Jack Carthy, he's played extremely well. I think one one game that probably really highlighted it as well and, and nudged him forward was Jack Carthy's performance against Leinster, against Ross Byrne over the Christmas period where he was outstanding in, in that narrow defeat. Yeah. Um, and all his stats are pretty good. And what, what you do with stats is you align them with what your perception of how a, an individual has gone. So you know, what kicking percentages are. Um, you know, what you've been like out of hand, um, what your tackle count has been like. So you evaluate all of that information on a piece of paper along with what your eyes have told you over the last five or six weeks. So on the basis of that, you know, Jack Carthy, does he deserve this opportunity? Probably. Does the coach always pick, this sounds ridiculous, the three best players for his extended squad like this? So there was almost an automatic assumption that Ross Byrne was the third choice number 10. He may not need him with Sexton if he's fully fit and Carberry's the number two. That maybe you just say, don't get ahead of yourself. He's getting a huge amount of praise last week. I'll bring Jack Carthy in and let's see how he responds over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, you have to remember too that Jack Carthy is very much third choice. Um, If something happens to Johnny Sexton or Joey Carberry, Ross Byrne comes in. Does that automatically mean that Ross Byrne is now third choice? No. Mm. The landscape changes. Um, depending on the situation, would you want to give Jack Carthy um, his first cap against England? Um, maybe not. Um, maybe he'll feel that the bit more experience, albeit limited, that Ross Byrne has internationally, maybe he wants to go with him, or it might suit, better suit the game plan that they're, hope, they're hoping to play against opposition. Yeah. So it's, a, it's very much a horses for courses situation. I don't think you, anything is prescripted. Um, it's it's you have to be reactive to to the circumstances you find yourself in. But first up, I think it's I think it's probably um, this this sounds terrible that it's good politics. It's not because it's not about getting Connacht players. They are absolutely deserving. All five of them that are in the squad, they've played very well. Tom Farrell's been outstanding for a year. Uh, Quaylen Blade um, has taken his opportunity very well. But in fairness to Jack Carty, you know he had a bit of a bumpy year last year was in and out of 
good form, not great, just uh, lacked, um, you know, lacked continuity week on week. And yet, I think over the course of the last two months, um, he's he's delivered and delivered and delivered. And I think it's important to reward that as well, and to be seen to reward, and not just for. Jack Carthy, but for other players that feel as though they're out of favour, that you can play your way back in by solid, consistent performances. That's the political side of it, isn't it? That's the so that's the political side, rather than the fact that it's you know it's a comic yeah. player, yeah. Because when you think back to the the summer tests in Australia, Joey Carberry announces he's uh, going to Munster, gets picked straight away for Ireland Australia, straight in, like no ifs, ands or buts and sections on the bench, it's like the biggest game he's ever started, that's an interesting coincidence and then also um, Sean Cronin gets dropped for a game and like it isn't considered to be the second choice um, hooker when it's clear he looks to everybody around the world like this guy's our second best and actually pushing to be our first best and um, all of a sudden there's a competitive element in the squad and everybody's a bit pissed off with each other and away we go and that's not, a, that's not the worst thing in the world is it? But Joe's always done that he's always done it, he, he always keeps players on their toes because they, they are completely unsure of, of how much of a fixture they are in, in his team, except for a few individuals, except for Johnny and O'Connor Murray. Um, Rob Carney was precarious for a while, but yeah. put in, you know, delivered some big performances. He got but, told. He got told he was on the yeah, chopping block. I, th- I think it's become, you know, players have become a little bit more cemented in the team in, since the Grand Slam because of the quality of their performance, because they went unbeaten yeah. all last year, or sorry, uh, except for, well, one beaten bar one, unbeaten bar one in Australia. Um, Stockdale has been outstanding since Can't he... Can't him. Yeah. <laughs> Keith Earl's never played better. So there's, yeah. you know, straight away, there's five off the top of your head, and then CJ comes into the mix. Yeah. Um, James Ryan. Undroppable. Undroppable. Yeah. Um, Keen Healy undroppable, Ty Furlan undroppable. So yeah. all of a sudden now you've got nine, ten players that it's very hard to make your way into the team because none of these have had substandard performances in the last year. That's really great that they're playing that well, but over a period of time you want to make sure that they're still playing at the level or that they still have the intensity that got them to that level. That like, so is is part of this too? A shot to everybody going look, nobody is guaranteed, nobody's nailed on here. That it's like a little jolt across everybody else's, or is, is that irrelevant? Um, I think it's a good story to sell or a message to to, to get out there. Um, yeah, I've I've said it before on on the show that I I always felt as though I had to prove myself to Joe in the in the sides that playing with him. I never really knew whether he rated me or not. See, he gives you enough praise to keep your confidence up high enough, but keeps you enough at arm's length that if you do. You know, you know, if you do fall off a little bit, that he can incorporate or bring someone else in to replace you. So he keeps, he, you know, he keeps balls in the air very well and gives <clears throat> hope to those that feel as though it might be a little bit hopeless under other coaches. Was there once when you were dropped by Joe? Ever? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know if I was because Ono Mali got it was the quarterfinal uh, in 2012. I was coming back from my neck surgery. And Onomali had been playing really well, and on the Tuesday, Onomali got put in the team, which ordinarily you would, would be the be, team. Yeah, um, oh. it doesn't have to be, but more often than not, the, will be the, the team, team in the training team. And and Onomali pulled his calf um, ten, fifteen minutes into that session. So you never had to have the conversation with him. So no, no. So. Only Joe knows that. I've never asked him. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> <laughs> so it never dropped, right? <laughs> but were you tempted to go up and say, "Here, what the hell?" No, 
Because you're, I, I was only coming back from injury. I'd, I'd had one game, so it doesn't mean you know. Particularly when someone else has played well, I know Mali had played really well in the lead up to to that. So you, know, you you do have to be better than the other person, yeah. and it takes you a few games to get into. Particularly at four months off, um, but I, I it, it happened so quickly, and I didn't have the chance to have a conversation if I if it necessitated it. Are you are you literally walking into the training session and they're like, okay, you go in this time, like it's handing out bibs, yeah. kind of, yeah. and you're like, <laughs> okay, hang on, let me just give that to Owen O'Malley. <laughs> <laughs> there you are, Owen. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Is it a little bit like that? A bit like that, yeah, yeah. You, yeah it's, you have to be careful not to walk too quickly. It's the old calling the team out, and you start strolling over to one side, <laughs> and do the Grandpa Simpson walks yeah. right back out again. <laughs> Nobody would ever notice. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> right, yeah. And so that he pulls up in the middle of that training session, and then it's all like, like yeah, ten minutes in. So, right. uh, so I got a good run through, and and he was out injured. I think that that's the year that he did his yeah cruciate as well. Yeah. So yeah, even later on as well, he was he was playing well and we weren't sure on the semi-final because I'd played and he'd just come back from fitness and um, and he was playing well and then that happened the week before the final. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Around that I, time. I, was, I remember too because I was struggling coming off the back of the Six Nations with, with, um, with an injury and I wasn't sure whether I was going to be fit or not and you know, when the, that's the issue. When you're... 70, 75% and somebody else is going really well. And you might have done lots in the past, but this player is playing well yeah. and you're, you're, you're a risk. It's where you have it these days where guys are being get, given less time to get themselves fit early on in the week because of the strength of the squad. So if you're not fit by Tuesday, I know we got someone that can come in and do almost as good a job as you. Yeah. And they Whereas, so that was the case. So, so once Owen got injured in that game, I was given more latitude to, to get right for the final because... I don't know who our third choice would have been, but it wouldn't have been of that yeah. standard. Yeah, Schmidt seems particularly ruthless like that on the week of a game because often you'll be down at Carton House on a Monday or Tuesday, someone sits it out and they will say, whoever's up in front of the media, we'll give them a chance. If they're fine by Friday, they can be in the team. But it never seems to happen. If they don't train on Monday and Tuesday, there doesn't seem to be any way back for playing that weekend. Yeah, I. it's very hard to just to, to click in. You know, uh, training, it's about timing and... Um, I think it's also a good message to, to send out. You know, the guys thinking that again that oh, it's final. You know, yeah. I can take Monday, Tuesday, maybe Thursday off. I'll just do the captain's run. That's it's it's that's gone. It's a bad atmosphere to to, to sell. We used to Rocky Elson used to never train, but you know he was man of the match every weekend, so it didn't matter. Um, but that that seems to be a thing of the past when you've got more competition for places and yeah. guys that are. Delivering almost the same standard as that you can deliver, well then why wouldn't you go with the cohesive units that have worked together from from Monday rather than bring a guy in and yeah I think I'll be all right in the night, especially when his his structure of play is so complicated and you kind of need to have been practicing it and been running the moves all week right uh, and yeah it is and it's a detailed thing and you yeah. can you can know your detail on um, you can know your detail on computers and, and yeah. know what role you have to do but Nothing like giving a coach confidence to be able to see them do it out on the training park. So, yeah, yeah it's um, 
Yeah, it's, it, it's, it, I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It, it, it definitely deters from laziness as well, or guys thinking that... Any complacency. Yeah. Cause that was the, I guess that was the question. When, when you're naming the players who are shoe-ins and guaranteed starters, a little bit of complacency must seep in at some level just because you're human beings. Like, oh, I'm, I'm okay at the moment. I mean, obviously, you said you, you still needed to feel like you had something to prove to him or sort of that you never knew where you stood. Like, I suspect Ty Furlong knows that he's going to start if he's fit. So it's just about making sure that complacency doesn't seep in for him and for James Ryan and for Peter Mahoney. Like, they're all self-starters, but at the same time, what keeps the complacency away? I think they've an expectation of, of their own standards. I think it's, it becomes about that. Rather than just remaining in the Irish jersey, it's about doing a really good job in it. And you are your own worst critic, and, and when you've hit really peaky heights of beating the All Blacks, winning Grand Slams, winning on tour in Australia, that when you fall off there, it, you don't have to wait for your coach to get on your case. You're on your own case. And, yeah, you, you, you become a self-policing unit. And um, it's, it's usually a side in trouble when they need a berating from their coach. Mm. It's when they, particularly when a really mature team like that, and then, you know, the age profile might still be somewhat young, but there's a lot of knowledge and there's a lot of experience and there's a lot of lions littered throughout that team as well in key positions. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think if you look right from 15, 12, Henshaw, 9, 10, Stander, 8, Best, 2, um, and a, a lion in the waiting in James Ryan, like that is, the, the, look at the spine of that team of leadership and, and lots of experience and know-how. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. The Carberry-Sexton dynamic then over the next couple of months, because on the one hand, you have Sexton on that list of guaranteed starters but on the other hand you're talking about rewarding form and Carberry's form last week probably is, is unquestionably a standout performance for Munster so mm. far do you reward if saying Johnny's fully fit for all these games do you reward Carberry at some stage during the Six Nations with a start probably yeah probably I think a game that you feel as though you'll win like Italy is a good game to, to start Joey but maybe it's a maybe a good thing to to start him in another game because I've got to think that you know Johnny has been relatively injury free, but he's you know, he's thirty three. Mm. You know, is there a chance that he mightn't play in the World Cup? Of course, would it be great to get? Um, and and before that it becomes a headline, you know he he could pick up a knock like any other player. Yeah. So you've got to be equipped. Um, to to be able to deal with that, and and Joey Carberry hasn't had a lot of starts in the number 10 jersey, you have to remember that. So the more he'll get, the better, the more confidence he'll, he'll, he'll um, derive from it, the more he'll know the game plan, the control that's necessitated at international level versus um, provincial level, the speed at which he has to have a clarity of thought. It's all, everything's quicker internationally. So more game time he gets, the better. And, and then, I was making the case. if he's going to do as good a job, which he's... He was very good. He's different than Johnny. Johnny's the real, is the Peyton Manning. There's, a, there's still a more of a looseness to Joey, but it's exciting. Yeah. Mm. I was making the case, start him in the England game. Like, um, Sexton's coming back off that, that little niggly injury that's kept him out. Now, it looks as if he could have played last weekend. He could probably definitely play this weekend. So perhaps he's, he's absolutely fine and totally fit. But, like, if there's any doubt, why risk it? What's the point of these risking? The, the other thing we have to remember is Johnny Sexton is the world player of the year. Mm. He lost one game, two games last year, I think. Well, he started, he only started 
one game we lost against yeah. the, at the very end of the year. Can you remember any bad performance? Maybe didn't play well against Munster. That's it. Like, he is... He, he's I'm not best, talking about dropping he's him. He's the best player in the world. I'm talking about making sure he's still the best player in the world when we get to the World Cup. And, but there's nothing to believe that he won't be. No, it's true. So, he's pr- like, he, it's not like he was decent, decent, decent. Well, he, just, he spiked a season. Yeah. Mm. Like, he's been consistently excellent for 10 years. Um, he just had his best year at 33. But he's, he's got such... Uh, we saw it in the Muslim, he's got such a fire and a burning ambition to get better as well. It's not like, oh, I just won the slam now and... Um, you know, we want to you know, beat the All Blacks. I've beaten them three times now myself. Um, it's funny, he, and he's got a, he's got, it, there's no faux um, humility to him. He, he won the Rugby Riders uh, Award over in England, went over, collected the award. Um, and from what I heard from his speech, he, he, you know, he talked about how he didn't feel as though he warranted being in, this, in the same um, bracket as a lot of the players that had won it previously, which is laughable. So... I think we have to, you have to put everything in context. Yes, you get excited about Joey Carberry's performance because he was outstanding, but you're dealing with one of the all-time greats. Yeah, so you be very careful about taking him out of the team, even if it's just to rest him over a period of time. Or yeah, you have a narky Johnny Sexton as well. Would it not be madness as well, with all the momentum that's with the national team at the moment, possibly the best team in the world, at home against England in a Six Nations you opener, you, you play, to take a risk? You play your best team. Like... Joey Carberry was twenty was thirty percent behind Johnny. He's probably twenty percent now, but he's still. I think he's still twenty percent behind him. Yeah. In in a, in controlling a game and running the show and being able to dictate play, I I think Munster were excellent. He had a lovely pat- platform, um, but playing Gloucester is very different than playing England. Totally, totally. I get that. Right. The 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 counter argument is that there might be a chance, given how aggressive Sexton is that he misses some of the big games in the World Cup and we won't have given we won't have given the opportunity to us to see how well Carberry deals with that we can't fake it we can't fake it against Italy really mm. so our pack is going to dominate against Italy and it's a much easier game so. Carberry's going to get two games in the World Cup Johnny will play um, Japan and Scotland Carberry will get the next two all going well Johnny will be back in for the um, for the quarterfinals that's how it'll be mapped out and so that's the games that they give him to see if but what if, like... That all going well line, yeah, is that well, not exactly what Joe Schmidt wants to avoid, having to say all going well, that after losing to Argentina last time with all the injuries, he doesn't want to end up in a situation where we're going into a World Cup quarterfinal and there's a slight doubt of, well, we've seen Joey in these games, but we haven't seen him against England, England or one of the top five, six teams in the world? Yeah, yeah. It's, or is um, that just sport that you have to take those risks? Yeah, I think there's a bit of that. It depends on what you want to do. Do you want to... Is he still planning? Is this still a, a stepping stone to the World Cup, or does he want to win another grand, you know, back-to-back what do you Grand think? Slams? What do you think? Because like, um, we did really well in '07. We did really well in 2011. I think. I, I think Joey will get at least one start in the Six Nations. At least one start. Um, Against more than Italy. Maybe. Maybe France. Yeah. Maybe yeah. France at home is a good game because it's a really good opposition, but at home and yeah. we're confident that we got a crowd and everything. Yeah. Maybe that'd be a good game to give them uh, a starting berth. So get the momentum. Yeah, get the momentum. Win against England. Uh, Scotland next. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, you know, maybe maybe three two. 
Yeah, so Johnny for England. This, I love that we're mapping this out. This is what you need to do, Joe. Um, yeah, Just England, England, Sc- England, Scotland, Wales. <laughs> do you know what order the games are in, Joe? <laughs> Make sure you get that bus to Murrayfield on time this time. If you're Sadie's twenty percent behind now, and there's these five games, and then there's four warm-up matches, is there anything? Everybody's fit. Is there anything Joey, Joey Carberry can do over the next nine, ten months to oust Johnny Sexton from the number 10 jersey? Drive his car at speed past Johnny's <laughs> house in Darcy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I, I don't see. There's not going to be so much of a fall off a drop in form from Johnny Sexton or an increase from, uh, from Joey to, to justify it. I, I don't see it happening. Um, Joey has all the capabilities of being uh, an excellent international player, very exciting, a different st- type of player to Johnny. But I, I just, it, I do not, I give it like a 2% chance that he could start in, in front of him yeah. in the World Cup. Do you remember the Lions when there was this whole who should be number 10 and then they realised like they should work Owen Farrell into the team at the same time as Sexton, middle of the second week? Is there, Johnny's it, played 12. Johnny played 12 at Raj back in, in 2011. Is it ridiculous to think like that? No. And also, Johnny's defence is good enough. Um, I'd be playing Johnny at 10 and, or uh, Johnny at 12 and, and Joey at, at, at 10. But it's not, it's not. Why would you do that? You've got Ruffy Henshaw, Bundyaki, uh, Gary Ringrose and, and Chris Farrell. So no, that's not going to happen. Yeah, OK. And he's not even, a, not even considered for fullback, Carberry, at this stage. No, no. I think Larmer's... There um, and Rob Carney starts with and Addison fit. and Rob Carney's the yeah. fit. So all right, there was one other thing that we want to talk about before we talk about this weekend's games. Um, this is from Andy Dumbs on during the week talking about Ireland's style of play and how we hit so many more rooks than anybody else and the attritional nature of our style of play. Have a look. My my concern in, as a general rule watching the the Irish style is is again that rook count. We average about 140 rooks per game, and the other f- top five teams in the world average about 80 per game. So we've 60 additional rooks to win an international relative to other international sides. 60 more chances to get injured? Well, I mean, at the moment it's not affecting us because we're winning all the rooks, we're winning the matches um, and the quest, it's just a question to say, is it, is it very demanding or too demanding physically to do back-to-back for seven weeks to win a World Cup? And you could just as easily counter-argue, well, we've got greater strength and depth in order to do it. So there's just, uh, that's one area where I suppose of differentiation for us relative to other international sides at the moment that's probably worth flagging, but we seem to be managing. What causes the rooks? The lack of offloads, more often than not. Most of our forward runners will will tuck and, and seek out contact and probably run at an angle where their head is looking at the floor, they're going to hit the floor and they're... they're they're, they're pre-empted to hit a rook in order to set up a next phase. If, if you look at the Scottish team, for example, or even Ulster, the way Ulster played against Racing on Saturday, um, it was a bit like watching the LA Lakers against you know, you know, another uh, NBA side. It was very few guys were looking at the floor in order to set up a rook to do the, the next phase that was in the plan because there wasn't a plan and the game was entirely broken up. Now, it was mayhem, uh, it was chaos, for, for the vast majority of 80 minutes, but better sides and better execution can reduce that level of chaos. We, we, we don't embrace that as a national side. Um, we, we hit a lot of rooks, but we're very good at it.
Yeah, so we're obviously very good at it at the point where we're the second best team in the world. Is this an issue that we need to maybe tone it down a little bit and get more back to the average number of rooks that all the rest of the top I, countries play? I agree with them on the offloading. I think we can risk a few more. Um, I think of our pack, James Ryan's the most likely offloader. Um, I think he's the one that looks for it or, or instinctively knows when it's going to be on, when he makes good inroads. He carries so much in close quarters that a, a lot of his carries, uh, he's not even thinking about it. But as soon as he makes gets to a soft shoulder, I think he's one of the ones that is definitely looking to get it out of contact. Um, I think we have some reasonable offloaders. I think this, the game plan that Leinster have played over the course since uh, Stuart Lancaster have come, has come in has increased the skill set of a number of those Leinster backs that are will be in that 31-man squad. And so their instinct is to, is to throw the 50-50 pass a little bit more. Um, I think our fitness is really, really strong at the moment. So the extra 60 rucks a day or a game, um, I don't think that concerns me. Is it a deliberate Inj- thing? Injuries, yeah. Well, it's so we, just we back our fitness to the point where we'll yeah, take the opposition. You know what? What also you spin it on its head. It's it's to be able to have another sixty rooks and, and not give away penalties. You look at the accuracy of our rooks. So the clear out is phenomenal. There's a big focus on what used to be called barreling left and right. So as you're running to the rook, you don't have two guys running to the same side of the rook to clear out that defender. You identify which side of the rook you're necessitated on by the person in front of you or, or the guy behind you will watch where you're going and he'll clear out the other side. And then sometimes there'll be a safety that'll come in and if, if the job hasn't been fully done. So it'll be, rarely do Ireland concede more than three or commit more than three people to a rook. So I think there's a, there's, there's a, a brilliant technicality around that. I think after New Zealand, we're probably the best team at, at clearing out rooks and creating fast rook ball. But This isn't happening by accident is the thing, right? So like obviously Schmidt thinks this is the best way for us to win games. Yeah, and it, it's keep ball. It's keep ball. Why do we have the same X factor as, as New Zealand's? I like it. It's hard to argue that we, we don't with you know, what Keith Earls can do, what Jacob Stockdale can do, what Gary Ringrose can do. Um, I, it's definitely something that they've looked at that they feel as though they can tire teams. And what, what Ireland are brilliant at doing and being able to, to have that many more rooks is that they can lose their shape and get it back very quickly through, through their system and, and then wait and play one or two additional phases to then create another opportunity for themselves. I think it's, a, it's, it's testament to their patience and their willingness not to, um, not to get bored of what they're doing, yeah, of, of stay the course. No and then, yeah, kicks, and then, no. um, yeah, and, and maybe it's Joe's way, you know, it's that this is what we do. We, yeah. we grind teams down and we back ourselves. It's, it's hard to argue. It's it must be a shock to the system the opposition as well. If the average is 80 and you come up against Ireland and suddenly it's 140. And it's tire- more tiring to, to mm. defend than it is to attack. So you have to remember that you're taking it out of the opposition as well, um, who are hungry for the ball and, yeah, you're... They're aren't used to it. And, and aren't, yeah, and it is. It's like teams playing, again, it's the... the football analogy of, of playing against Barcelona or Man City where you know that you're going for large parts of the game you're going to have to concede possession and, and make good decisions when you know, there is an opportunity to, to, to steal a ball mm. um, 
you know, rather than wasting your time and wasting your energy That's of pilfering and getting smashed. Around, yeah. Yeah. I guess there's still a slight spook in, <clears throat> in our minds from the fact that um, Paul O'Connell gets killed at a ruck in the World Cup against France. Um, that's when the hamstring gets ripped off the bone. Like, is it is it something that causes us to have more injuries? And so the strength and depth advantage that we have fritters away over the four or five weeks, maybe six, seven weeks of the tournament. Sorry, but the, but the, but the difference between that is Paul's Paul's defending a ruck, and that's when he does his hamstring. He's not doing it in attack. So in attack, when you're carrying for an extra sixty phases in a game you're targeting those that are trying to pilfer. Yeah. That's where pilfering is where you're going to do the damage. Okay. Rather than being those that are are clearing rooks out and trying to get the defence away and winning that shoulder, trying to so make sure that they get it. So the, the, uh, mo- the vast majority of injuries that I can remember, I don't know the stats on it, um, so don't, don't hold me to count on it, but I, it would be the defending team that would pick up far more injuries at ruck time than, than the attacking team by joints or, or muscles going or being hit blindsided. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to some of the, the fixtures this weekend. What game have you got live on Sunday? Wasps, Leinster, 3.15, Rico Arena. We've got Jay Keenan, Brendan Mackin with Connor Morris. Brendan Mackin does a, a mean Royal Nugent. We can see that on YouTube. So a bit of pressure for Connor is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Things if, aren't going if, well 20 minutes in. Well, if, if he... F- you know, has a bug or you know eats something dodgy? Oh, yeah? At least we know that we have an able replacement to step in <laughs> with fast experience. Was this his general party piece on the Leinster team? So bus? good, yeah. It was so good. He was just brilliant at at, um, at uh, impressions in general. Very very funny guy. Very good guy to have your around your team. Great energy, and um, yeah, he's. He'd, he'd, I'll, I'm going to tune in. So when, so when Leinster value. are 30 value. points up at halftime, we know what we can do for the second <laughs> half for a bit of entertainment. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, he won't be shy of something to say either. Good. Um, Leinster are going to win this game really well, right? That's you, you would like, think so. I, I, Wasps have been very disappointing. They they have had um, some bad luck with injuries, particularly in their pack this season. But they've never really gotten any momentum. They lost Jimmy Goppert early in the season. Sapawanga um, hasn't been um, quite what they would have anticipated from him at 10. So you feel that the, the power and the depth of, of Leinster squad will be too much in a game where Wasp had nothing to play for other than, um, than pride on, on getting absolutely pumped in round one. Yeah, which hasn't been much of an inspiration for teams so far in this competition. They're like, no. let's move on. Quite to particularly the- when you're playing against, you know, I, I think they'll, they'll want to save face at home, but I, I just think that Leinster will have too much. They'll have to, don't get me wrong, they'll have to work for their victory, but I think they'll get it done. Yeah. Uh, the, the Munster Exeter game is um, is also really interesting to see how Munster respond to all of the plaudits that are coming their their way from last week's performance. Last week's performance seemed like a signature performance. It had the power of the forward pack that we've we knew was there, but it was the first time we've seen the backs be as talented as they could be. And there's still room for improvement from that back line as they kind of spend time together in meaningful combat. Um, so I don't know. I've got very high expectations of this Munster team. All yeah. of a sudden, their scrum looks very good. Um, I don't think Exeter. I think they've got six international props in their setup, so they won't capitulate quite like uh, like Gloucester uh, did. Uh, but credit Munster Scrum has been good all season. Not just that's not the first game that we've seen it. It's been very very good and um, you know, bouncing between you know John Ryan has been behind Porter has been favourable in Ireland camp, but yet they go to Archer an awful lot as yeah. first choice in Munster. So Johan van Graan likes the job that he's done. Kilcoyne looks. Um, you know, rejuvenated and, and 
playing really well, carrying very well. So I think their pack has delivered terrific set piece for them. Um, that said, Exeter have nothing to lose. Looking at the team that they've picked, you know, it's a, it's they know how to score a lot of tries. Jack Nell played outstandingly well last week, um, and they they know that in all likelihood they need to come and score five uh, or four tries, so five points. Not many sides go and do that in in Thoman. So when the shackles are off, it it definitely takes the pressure off. If you're a Munster and the shackles are off for the opposition, are you just like putting the ball at the jumper and killing this game, making no. it really boring? Or? No, you just play your game. You don't. I don't think you necessarily worry about what they're going to do. I think you just think if we play our best game and just think about a really good performance from us and we don't modify our game plan just because of the scenario or the point situation. I think we go and, and play our you know the brand that we played last week and that we've played over the last number of weeks that's giving us the confidence to play the way we are and continue that again. And see Peter O'Mahony is in their team, you know, um, named anyway. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see whether he takes the field. How big an addition has Ty Byrne been? Because you think back to last season at Scarlets, and I remember you'd look in the match programme when they were playing Leinster in the Champions Cup, and he was top of pretty much every stat. Yeah. With turnovers last season, I think second place was six turnovers. He was on 17 or 18. Came at all this hype, came at all this expectation. Has he delivered on it? Um, I think he's in the top three um, transfers of the, of, uh, in Europe this season. Bill Matta in Edinburgh, Will Addison in Ulster, and Ty Byrne. I don't know in which order. Ty Byrne has been outstanding. He's picked up where, exactly where he left off with Scarlets. He's just unlucky that he's got Ian Henderson, uh, James Ryan and Dev Toner, um, obviously the, the line-out king, uh, ahead of him internationally. But he, he's such a nuisance at mall time. He, he gets at least a couple of steals every day. And yeah. for, your second, uh, for your second row to get to do that, <laughs> yeah. is, it's a real luxury to, to have that uh, someone of that skill set. Um, doesn't doesn't make many errors again, gets through an insane amount of work. He is a real find, and as much as Carberry has been terrific for, for Munster, so has Tygburn. But what is, what is that skill set? Because, say, we, we talked earlier in the week about Jacob Stockdale and his ability to read a bouncing ball. The skill set for turnovers, because, say, he wasn't just slightly ahead of everybody in terms of his turnovers per game. He was miles ahead last mm. season. What is, the skill, what is the little X factor that, that allows him to do that? It's seeing it a little bit earlier. Um, it's it, as no differently than Jacob Stockdale, as you see the, the the ball as it's about to land, to see what point it's likely to hit on, and so judge as to what side you should favour. I think Byrne is looking at the shapes of bodies as they fall to the ground as well as as to whether before it's happened. I think he's thinking. There's something in that for me, the way the players fall, and be it if they fall on their back, if they fall in a strong position, the level of the, con- of the contact, whether it's a soak tackle uh, or it's a, uh, it's a collision tackle. Sometimes actually soak tackles are the best because it puts a bit of daylight between the, um, the, the ball carrier and, and, his, and those that are going to clear him out. That's sometimes the best opportunity to get in. You've also got the tackler who's meant to roll away where they can disrupt the players coming in to clear out the rook. So I think he's, he's weighing up all of his options as they are unfolding. And he's not going for every one. He, he doesn't, in fairness to me, he, he probably still gets done harshly by referees you know, a couple of times a game. But it's worth it. So, so, yeah, so say he's probably in the mix for, for, for winning five turnovers most game, four or five turnovers, and he'll get two of them. 
uh, it's almost a little bit like different positions. Ruin Pienaar has a fair idea what he's going to do when he runs to, a, to a, a rook. He's already looked at the footwork of the guard and the first and second defender. He's seen how tight they are versus what their space is like, whether he's going to pass or whether he's going to carry and then have a runner off him. So the, the clever players are able to see it ahead of time. And I think Tygburn definitely has that skill when it comes to, to assessing whether there's something in a, in a pilfer for him or not. It feels to me like that skill set is his skill set in whatever game he's playing, that that's not going to be something that disappears in international rugby, that he could actually take to international rugby really quickly. Yeah, I, I think the one thing that, that's working against him is, is his ball carrying as good as, as the others. Like Devon is 120 kilos. Um, James Ryan makes yardage no matter what. Henderson's a brilliant ball carrier. I don't think Ty, Ty Burns got good footwork and runs good angles, but he has to because he doesn't quite pack the same punches as, as the other three. Um, but at provincial level, that's very, very effective. So, um, yeah, it, you're right. He, he's he's that that type of player is there for uh, he, is capable of staying there for a long time, and and he modifies his game ever so slightly. If it's if it's down and dirty, he can roll his sleeves up, but he can play fast and elusive as we saw the Scarlet so effectively doing yeah. uh, last year. So, what are his hopes of getting into the Ireland team? His versatility of being able to play in the back row gives him um, gives him a chance of getting into um, that squad. World World Cup squad. I don't okay. know match day squad. I'd, uh. Is there a chance he's O'Mahony's main backup? Yeah, but you look at the strength of that back row. Then you know, with with the full complement, you're you're, you're looking at um, as uh, Levy. You know, able to play six with Ash, with Van der Fleer playing seven and O'Brien, but Re- Ruddock as well being able to play in there. So uh, Jordy Murphy coming in and playing right across the back row. So I don't know if you, it's as simple as going, yeah, um, burn in for Omani. I don't think he's a starter. I think you're picking an all-out six. But if, if Omani gets injured, it gives Byrne an opportunity of getting into the 23. Right, and then the other one that... Um, so Munster are going to win that game, you think? Yeah, you you would. You would. Um we were doing all permutations and combinations in um, BT the other night. There's a scenario where both can come out of the group, um, where Munster get a losing bonus and um, Exeter get a try bonus. And then if Ulster got nothing in um, in Leicester, the two could come out of the group. But you'd have to imagine Thoman Park, yeah. Munster need to get it done. Not going to happen. It shouldn't happen. What about Ulster? The resurgence in their form, the change in their playing style, the fact that they're quite excited to watch this year versus some of the turgid stuff that we've been watching to call a space beta the last couple of years is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, obviously, I, I think Kutsia has been huge for them. Jordy Murphy's been a big signing for them. I think Rory Best has really upped his game uh, this year in the Ulster jersey. We've seen it um, in, in Ireland for years, um, but maybe not the same level of consistency performing for, for Ulster, whereas I think his, he's really, really ramped it up. Um, Henderson's been helped out ball, with his ball carrying by, um, by Kutsia, so you know, he's, he's able to get through an, uh, another mountain of work other than being the sole focus for, for getting them over the advantage line. Cooney's been good, Billy Byrne's been good, Addison's been good, Stockdale's getting space. So it's the sum of the parts. They're, yeah. they're, they're, all, they're, they're just knitting extremely well. And, and you have to remember, they, did, they, they, didn't, they weren't brilliant in the opening round against Leicester. They got it done. 
um, and they've you know they've lost to uh, they they lost to Racing, but then won big games. Those three and four games set them up. Yeah, totally. Um, by by getting ten points to, to, at mm. Scarlets, Leicester have picked a really strong team. So if they're going to do it, if they have to get something, they're gonna they're gonna have to do it the hard way. Depending on what happens um, this weekend, if uh, or tonight, I should say, if if Montpellier win, then it looks like they'll have to do something. And maybe the season's just about getting the buzz back up at Ulster because it's been such a mess for so long. And we had the game live last Saturday, and both Ushin and Andy up there said, like, you could feel it around the city. The people were excited about the match. The people were talking positively about Ulster again, and, and they're probably still missing a few things. And maybe McFarland's still at six months a year off from getting him exactly where he wants. But at least it's exciting. I, I think they've got some X factor. Mm. I really do. I think they, for the first time in a while, they've got. You know, not one, maybe two international players, caliber players. They've got, um, they've got five and six that are going to be vying for um, for yeah. for a start or for a place in the twenty-three. You know, and th- those names that I mentioned best, um, Jordy Murphy. You know, is still a favourite of um, of Joe Schmitz. Has never let him down. Uh, obviously, played in the in, in the most recent uh, All Blacks mm-hmm. game um, when you never would have thought it, um, and. And then Addison and, and and Cooney's now going to be in the twenty three as well. Yeah. So, uh, and Stockdale is scoring tries for fun. Yeah. So he's literally a global superstar. Like, yeah. Is yeah. he starting to? Is it like some kind of weird psychological advantage that he has over people? It just who, looks as though one of money's going to beat people. It really does. If you get if you get the ball, just give it's it's that one. Give it to me. Give it to me. Yeah. One on one. He's brimming with so much confidence, and then. And then his next step is to bring in the dummy chip and chip and chase. <laughs> now, then we know he's properly evolving when he puts it to the foot or or does a solo to himself. I'm waiting for that one. Then that's just that's next level. Yeah, that would be amazing. And big, a bit of GAA too, you know, uh, crossing crossing the divide. <laughs> we leave that one there. Brian, enjoy the weekend. Good stuff. Cheers. Thanks a million. That's uh, Friday Night Rugby with Brian O'Driscoll. We'll be right back after these. Brian O'Driscoll on Off the Ball. 